This is Sharon Levitt of the Tyndale Momentum Book Team at Tyndale House Publishers. I'm talking today with author Kelly O'Dell Stanley about her new book, Praying Upside Down. In addition to being an author, Kelly is an award-winning graphic designer and writer and has over two decades of experience in the advertising world. Kelly is married to Tim and has three children ranging in age from teens to young adult. Kelly says her book is the junction of all her passions, faith, art, and writing. Praying Upside Down will be available to readers this May 2015. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Sharon. I'm happy to be here with you today. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to discuss your book, Praying Upside Down. Kelly, when people read the title of your book, I imagine some might wonder what it means. Can you tell us what Praying Upside Down is? Yes, I'd love to. Um, I think people are a little afraid. They think they need to hang upside down in order to <laughs> pray. But when I was an art major in college, I learned that if you turn an image upside down and copy it, you will achieve more accurate results. And, you know, when you look at something right side up, your brain defines it and applies our experience, our preconceived ideas to mm -hmm. it. But when you turn it upside down, your mind can't define it anymore, and it lets you see what's really in front of you. So when my husband and I owned two houses for two years, um, I started praying for the woman who I did not know who would buy my house so that everything in her life would line up and make her ready to buy it. And it changed everything for me to feel like I was part of something bigger than myself. It took sort of the pressure off of me and my money worries. Mm. Um, I just like I was part of a plan and I could hold on if I could do it for somebody else. Um, and at the end of the two years, when we finally sold the house, I got to see all the things that God had done in the life of this woman during the time I was praying. He had brought her from another state. He had done a lot of things. She had been through a lot. And I realized that because I had been praying upside down, you know, sort of contrary to the world's point of view, mm -hmm. I got to see God answer not just my prayer, but hers too. And when this occurred to me, I realized that, you know, Jesus turned the world upside down, too. Everything he did was con contradictory to what everyone expected. He said, let the children come, and the least shall be the greatest. Mm. Um, he always gave us a surprising answer. Mm. And so when I say praying upside down, I'm sort of referring to, you know, it could be a literal flip-flop, you know, praying for someone else mm -hmm. that's connected to your prayer. But it also means anything to do with praying in a new way and keeping your eyes open to try to see God in the middle of what's going on around you. That's great. Yeah, I like that explanation. And just to, out of curiosity, are you still friends with the woman who bought your house? I am. Um, and at closing, I wrote a letter to her telling her how I'd been praying for her. Oh. And so over the years, our we have sons that are in the same class in school and it's just around the corner from where I live now. So over the years, we've gotten to be friends. And in the meantime, she has, she's been through a lot of other things. And because of our connection and because it sort of was founded on this idea of God and prayer, it's opened up a lot of really amazing conversations. So I'm just really, it's really awesome to see how God has been in the middle of all of that. Yeah, but you had to listen to him in order to start praying that way. And I, I'm just wondering, 
you know, for somebody listening, they might think, well, how in the world did she ever figure out to start praying for the other person? Do you remember when you just had this aha, like, oh, I need to start praying for this this woman? I do. We um, we had bought another house and done all the renovations, and we were getting ready to move, but all this time nobody was looking at the old house. And one day we finally had a showing, and I was in my bedroom, and I was vacuuming, and I think that's the moment when I finally got real with God. You know, I thought I had been up until then. I'd prayed, and I had, you know, done the things that I thought I was supposed to do. But um, that day I just sort of let all my fears get in the way, and I'm like, okay, God, what am I going to do? You know, we've got to sell this. What if we don't? You know, what? I thought you were in this. What am I going to do? And it was just sort of an instant knowing (laughs) this response in my head that says, pray for the woman who will buy this house. And, you know, just this feeling, this idea that I, you know, I heard from God and he, he has something in mind. And it was just overwhelming. You know, that moment was enough to keep me holding on when I started to doubt because it was just this, and I always just felt pray for her, pray for Mm. her, pray for her. Mm. And, you know, hearing, hearing, hearing that makes all the difference in the world because it gave me enough, um, you know, trust to hold on. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess when you hear from the voice of God, you do pay attention. <laughs> you <laughs> try. that one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, you know, you say in your book that you're full of doubt and full of faith, constantly seeking new ways to see what's happening around you. Um, and, and actually, if you hadn't been noticing, you, you probably, you could have missed God's voice to you that day. Well, I'm wondering how those, those two things, doubt and full of fear, I'm, I'm picturing them sitting in each of your hands, you know, how do you, these parts, these very real parts of who you are relate to the progression in your own, how your own prayer practice is developed? Well, people, I think, think that faith and doubt are contradictory, mm-hmm. but in my head, they sort of work together. It's, they create a kind of tension or a balance, mm-hmm. and I don't let faith or doubt crowd the other one out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think without doubt, I wouldn't keep looking for deeper answers, mm-hmm. and without having faith, I wouldn't trust that I found them when I did. Mm-hmm. So I think it's sort of a balance, and once I learn to try to be open and to watch for God in everything and not try to define for him what he's going to do to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, it gave me permission to wrestle with my questions and trust that he was big enough to handle my doubt. And once I did that, I saw him more clearly or more of him than I ever had before. So I think it's sort of freeing to know that you don't have to choose faith or doubt, that they can coexist and that God's still right there in the middle with you. Yeah, that that is so true, and I think this would be really freeing for people to hear that because I do think there's a lot of Christians who feel like there's something wrong of, with them if they have doubt. Right. Um, I also loved your your book subtitle, which is a creative prayer experience to transform your time with God. 
And I was impressed by how many creative ideas you give readers to expand their idea of what prayer is and how to practice prayer. I assume that the reason you included so many different ways to pray is because you realize that prayer is challenging for many of us. How did you come to the conclusion that your book needed to be written? Well, I think that people tend to have a very rigid definition of what prayer is supposed to be. Um, you know, we hold people up. We think, oh, you have to get up at 5 a.m. and you have to pray these kind of words and use these and mouths and mm-hmm. um and that if we're not doing it, we do it wrong. Yeah. But I think what I believe is that prayer is so much bigger than that. And we're, our limitations, it's not in the way we pray, but in the way we define what prayer is. So, you know, as we go through our life, our in different seasons, our prayer life will change. But, you know, God is always there in the middle of all of it. And all he wants is for us to communicate to communicate with him but we get stuck because we get tired or discouraged or angry or we run out of words or we think that something in our past is going to keep us from being able to come to him Mm -hmm. um and you know as i've gone through my spiritual journey of my life i've realized that i just see things differently than most people Mm -hmm. um this framework of art helps me have a different perspective than most people do. And even though sometimes it's hard to wrestle with some of these ideas to not readily accept every answer that's given to me, Mm -hmm. um, in the end, my faith is so much deeper because of it. And so I guess as I, you know, thought about these things and talked to people and discovered how many people do struggle with prayer, um, and I thought if if there's anything that I can offer them, maybe it's that the belief or the understanding that there's not just one way to do it, that prayer, you know, there's always something we can change to try to connect with him in a new way. Yeah. And, you know, that is one of the reasons why I loved your book so much. I mean, it it wasn't just because it's so thoughtfully written and well-written, but it's also a book that helps people to integrate what they're reading about through the end of the chapter, what you call prayer palettes. And there are so many ideas I want to try. I was flagging all these different ideas. Can you explain to the listener what those prayer palettes are and maybe talk about one of your favorite? Okay. Um, you know, when you're painting as an artist, a palette is the thing that holds all of your paints. And so basically everything that you need to complete the picture is right there in front of you. And that's sort of how I thought of the prayer palettes. They're, they do the same thing for the prayer ideas that are talked about in the chapter. Because prayer is really abstract. You know, we can't see it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's hard to know how we can take something we learn and apply it. So each of these are just different exercises that sort of incorporate the thought process that went along with that chapter um, to show you how you could maybe put these into your life. But, you know, they're not really... They're really guidelines. They're not rules. They're, you know, different things you can try. You can adapt them until they work for you. Um, But I think people are intimidated by the idea of creativity. Most people Mm -hmm. would say, oh, I'm not creative. Oh, I can't do that. And, you know, my book has a connection to artistic and creative concepts. So 
I put the practical exercises because I didn't write this for artists. I wrote this for non-artists, and I don't want people to shy away from it mm-hmm. for that reason because I think that these exercises show everyone that they can, you know, in a hands-on way, incorporate these ideas into their life. But it sort of takes a little bit of the unknown out of it. So um, as far as what some of my favorites are, I think, I don't know, I think probably... I relate to some of the more tangible ones. There are some, um, you know, things that you can make. There are prayer sticks where you write prayer requests on, you know, like popsicle sticks and keep them in a jar and you can pull one out when you walk by. And um, prayer stones, so you have something to hold on to when you pray. Just sort of visual reminders and something, just something you can hold on to um, to help you know, remind you and engage more of your senses when you're, when you're trying to pray. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought up a couple things just now. The, first of all, those two that you just mentioned, I immediately thought of how you could apply those with your children as you're teaching them that God does answer prayer and he's interested. It's a real tangible way. You know, they see it right there. And I, I love that idea. The other thing that you brought up, which I I wanted to talk about too, is the fact that you don't want people to think that you have to be artistic in order to get something out of this book. And I do think that people get creativity and uh, being artistic confused because I know I did for a long time. And anything with shy with I would shy away from that had to do with art. I was the kid that didn't like to art class, you know, because I just felt like I couldn't do anything. And yet um, I realized that everybody is creative and in their own way. And I loved the book. I did not, I was not intimidated at all. Uh, You made it so that some of the um, prayer palette ideas I thought I could actually try. And uh, so I, I, for anybody listening there who might feel like the art part uh, is a barrier, it's not. And uh, it's a wonderful way to enrich your prayer life. So thanks for bringing that up, that you didn't write it just for those who are artistic. In fact, right. in fact, I mean, who I had in mind was really yeah. someone who's not an artist. I wanted to just give enough, you know, in most cases the art concept, it may only be a paragraph, but it's enough to sort of inform the story. So it's just the idea of looking around and, you know, you mentioned the things, the exercises you can do to pray with your kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we all need reminded that all around us all the time, there are things that need prayer. There, you know, everybody we come into contact with, everything that we see, all the situations in the news, you know, and I think that when we open our eyes and realize that there, it's more, you know, again, like I said earlier, it's broadening our definition of prayer to realize that it can encompass more things and more ways than we ever imagined. And there's 23 chapters in your book. So I, I liked what you said about it not being, it's not rules. So if somebody picks up your book and they read a chapter and they think, oh, this really resonates with me, great, they try it. Are they going to resonate with everyone? And if they don't do try everyone, uh, is there any shame or guilt in that? Or talk about that a little oh, bit. Oh, not at all. Yeah. Um, 
the way the book is structured, there are there's a small section at the beginning that talks about when I started praying upside down and how I came to see that way and that whole experience. And then the other chapters talk about, you know, are connected to different things like white face or perspective or composition or something like that. But um, I sort of see it all as a toolbox. You know, an artist Mm -hmm. might pick up a Sharpie or they might pick up a really wide paintbrush or they might pick up, you know, a hunk of clay. And, you know, one is not better than the other, but they also, each tool won't work in every situation. So the Mm -hmm. way I approached it was that, you know, you can read about all of these tools and know what you have available to you. And if and when it's appropriate to the situation, then you already have that knowledge to, you know, bring it to bear on that situation. So, But really, after the basic idea of the story, you know, you can read a chapter here or a chapter there, and you don't have to try all the exercises. I just, you know, I see, like I said, I see it as a toolbox, Mm -hmm. and it just gives you different ways when you get in different situations Mm -hmm. to get unstuck. Yeah, great description. Right, Really, I I was seeing it the very same way. Oh, I'll try this, and I can go back and pick out another one to try. Um, one of my one of my favorites that I thought would be challenging, but such a rich gift for someone, is when you talked about buying a a small journal and writing prayers out for a friend for every day of a month, and then handing it that to them. And I can't think of a more personal treasure that one could receive from a a beloved friend. I. Thank you. It was really meaningful to do it as well, because, you know, I, you know, prayer is a gift that God's given to us, but it's also a gift we can give to other people. So when we can sit down and do that, you know, it sort of changes, changes. If you're thinking of prayer as a gift, you know, you want to give sincerely and you want to give truly. Um, And, you know, I did that for my friend and she was really moved and really touched by it. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. But then several months later, someone did that back for me. And that's when I really realized how special it is to just, you know, it's overwhelming to know that, you know, the best thing we can do for somebody is to lift them up to God. And, you know, this is just something you can hold on to. Again, something tangible because prayer is just so abstract sometimes. I think it's hard for us to really grab hold of it. Yeah. Well, thank you for that idea because I have a lot of friends who just don't need any more things, and most of us don't need any more things. <laughs> but uh, something like that would just be priceless to me and to them, too. You know, um, we've covered a lot of what I wanted to talk about, but I wanted to ask you a couple more things. How do you think... Uh, praying upside down should would be best used individually, or would could it be used? It, prayer can be personal, but can it be corporate too. And when two or more are gathered in my name, there I am also. So, what do you think about um, how it would best be used in a group setting or well, individual? Right. I think it could be used in all of those settings. Um, the my favorite response to the book so far is when someone read it and they said it's like sitting down with you and talking over coffee. Mm. And I thought, you know, that was my goal to let 
to let this be conversational, let it be real, you know, really sharing my life with someone. Um, and so I think from an, as an individual, I, I hope, I think that people will relate. But then with the prayer palette and some of the other ideas, I think it opens up the opportunity for a lot of good group discussion. Um, and even for, you know, Bible studies of pastors, because everything in it is connected to Scripture. It's not a direct Bible study. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that there are a lot of practical applications that people could hold on to to have a good discussion. So, Yeah, and, and I, I'd like to also mention how many of the stories, I mean, you do reveal your life. It's not just prayer practices, but you tell about your life. So it's part memoir. And I think that's important for people to know that it's, it's um, as you said, it's not a bunch of rules. It's not directive. It's here's how God worked in my life and the, the ways that he developed my prayer life. And these are things that you might want to try too. Um, right. I think that one of the things that I love about memoir is you know, when you read about somebody's experience, it's like you got to experience it too. And so it becomes part of your vocabulary. And, you know, Jesus came and gave us the gift of relationship. So I think when we share stories that way, it's really powerful. Um, and so that was sort of, you know, that's the basis of it. I'd say it's probably 70% memoir. Mm-hmm. But the prayer palettes and things like that that we've discussed turn it around and make it also practical. So I hope that people appreciate both aspects of that. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm sure they will. I loved it. What's your greatest hope for the book? My greatest hope for the book is that it will touch people who don't necessarily already embrace their religion or their faith in a traditional way. Mm-hmm. I think I had in mind, you know, people who you know, they really want to find truth, they really struggle, and they can't accept sort of some of the pat answers. And so, you know, I think some of the people I sort of had in my mind may have been hurt by religion, by someone, you know, giving them wrong answers, or, um, you know, they just haven't, for whatever reason, they haven't found them in the traditional ways, but there's something inside of them that knows that there's something more that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I think that the greatest gift I've been given in my life is this relationship that I found with God. Mm-hmm. And if any one thing that I say can spark someone to start looking for that for themselves, that's the greatest thing I could ever hope for. It's mm-hmm. a wonderful thing to hope for. Well, one final question. One of the other things I loved about your book is that you had so many great quotes from artists, writers, and other notable people, but you also had some of your own, and one that I underlined and will keep for myself to use, which I thought was powerful and true, was, shame is to prayer what oil is to water. Why did you include that quote in your book? Well, we all have barriers that keep us from approaching God or from truly opening our hearts to him. 
and shame is one of them because, you know, we fall into this trap of believing that our past actions or the way we currently feel makes us not good enough to come into his presence. When I wrote the chapter in the book that you're talking about, I, I was at church and I came face to face with someone from my distant past and it brought back a lot of feelings of shame and fear. Um, and as I prayed, God showed me that shame had no place in my relationship with him. <clears throat> because when I go to God in prayer, basically I'm saying, I'm praying to you because I know who you are and I believe in what you can do. Because if I didn't, I wouldn't be praying. And if I know who you are, then I know that you have forgiven me and you love me and you want me here. You've made me worthy to be here. So shame doesn't enter into that equation. You know, it fights against prayers. It, you know, you sort of have to understand that if we understand the magnificence of the gift of grace that God offers us, then shame doesn't even, can't even exist in that place of acceptance and love. So, Excellent. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time. Kelly, it was really great. I could talk to you all day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love to talk about this. I love, love being here. So thanks for having me. Well, thank you. To connect with Kelly, you can visit her blog, www.prayingupsidedown.com. You can connect with her on Facebook, Kelly O'Dell Stanley, author, or on Twitter at Kelly O. Stanley. And for those listening, you can pre-order Praying Upside Down online now or find the book on shelves everywhere books are sold this coming May 2015. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.